Ever felt wronged by a landlord? Don't know what to do about that neighbor's fence you think might be on your side of the property line? If you live in Champaign County, can't afford to pay for legal advice, and need to know where to turn, listen up. I'm Mary Shank, and this week on Legally Speaking, attorney Mark Palmer visits with me about the new self-help desk launching at the downtown Urbana Courthouse on May 21st. We'll be back after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's morning show to Scott Beatty's news hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. Mark Palmer is an attorney who lives in Champaign and is employed by the Illinois Supreme Court to promote professionalism among lawyers and judges in Illinois. A longtime advocate of pro bono work, that's Latin meaning for the good, or English for lawyer willing to work for free, in our circuit, Mark has some pretty exciting news to share about an important service about to launch at the Champaign and Macon County Courthouses. Mark, thanks for being my guest and welcome to Legally Speaking. Thank you so much, Mary. And before we start, of course, thank you for having me, but also thank you to you, the News Gazette, and everybody involved, including the behind-the-scenes folk like like the legendary Ed Bond, (laughs) and everybody who puts out a podcast like legally speaking i mean this is pretty novel this is impressive we we don't have a lot of this around the nation let alone the state of illinois so this is a great outlet and it actually rings perfectly with may here we are in may 2019 and this month is law day and today's uh, law day's theme is actually free speech free press free society and that fits oh. perfectly oh do go on <laughs> no i appreciate that um i'm never sure how many people are listening but you know i i find it interesting talking with uh, you know we call it the movers and the shakers on my beat a lot of it is uh I, I try to pick the people who aren't in the headlines every day you know because uh a lot of what goes on at the courthouse is a civics lesson and people maybe learned it years ago and have forgotten or they don't right. they don't doesn't affect their lives directly but anyway well it's good to hear from multiple voices from different perspectives and that's what i've seen so far in your podcast of course we always hear from the judiciary the bench side from from right. justice steigman and judge mccuskey and and local judges now who have continue to fill their shoes um, and of course from our our state's attorney and so forth but to hear from all the other avenues that involve the delivery of justice is important okay so speaking of delivery of justice get get first to the big news and then we can kind of segue later into your work with the supreme court yeah well i think i caught your attention by uh, the announcement coming forth in in the few weeks uh, of the new help desk at the champaign county courthouse uh, this help desk is is going to be manned by volunteer attorneys in the Champaign County area, and it's going to serve uh, the continued growing need uh, of of people who just need a little bit of advice. There's always that kind of difficult balance of the courthouse employees themselves, whether it's the clerks at the at the desk for mm-hmm. the clerk's office, 
or somebody that once in a while is actually manning the information booth, they're limited in what they can tell the public, what they can tell those courthouse patrons who don't have a lawyer for various reasons. And sometimes they can just hand them a form, explain the process, but they cannot give legal advice. So this is a new opportunity at the courthouse to have a help desk in limited capacity, but for people to walk up and get at least a limited scope representation advice from a lawyer in Champaign County. Okay, so limited first to the civil aspect of the law, correct? Correct. This will only involve civil legal matters. And also, anybody using this service also has to meet specific intake requirements. So they have to meet eligibility requirements. Um, and those are, those are specific to what the organization who is setting up the help desk has laid out, and I can explain that further. Go ahead. And so they have to at least um, – there will be an intake process. It will be a very brief interview to make sure they qualify. And in that interview, they'll ask things um, like your income level. They have to make sure that you're not already represented by another counsel, another attorney, um, because it's not meant to be a second opinion desk. This is a help okay. desk for, for people. Um, they're not taking the, the case to court or whatnot. And so they need to make sure you're self-represented, make sure you have a certain household income level, which I believe is 200% of the federal poverty level. That's a flexible thing. And, and don't ask me to quote numbers because I can't. Thank you. Same here. And, and the litigant uh, must not have already previously received advice. So we want to help people who haven't already received advice from the same desk, you know, give everyone a shot at using it. Okay. And did I read somewhere where there is a time limit on how much you're willing to give in terms of free advice? Yeah, the maximum we're telling people for each meeting for them is about 30 minutes. So the desk is going to be uh, manned by an attorney for a two-hour block, and they're not going to be able to spend a whole two hours with somebody. And it's not meant for that purpose. It's meant for a, a brief um answering a few questions, giving some advice, and what I like to say is really navigating the legal process. So it's more than just, here's a form, this is where you fill it out. It's, here, let me help you fill it out. Here's what's going to happen next, and maybe a little advice on what to expect when you go upstairs to the courtroom and talk to the judge or opposing counsel or whatever the situation may be. Okay, so before we get too far afield, give me some concrete examples of civil problems that somebody who cannot afford to pick up the phone and be willing to put down cash uh, for an attorney might need you for. Right. So the common, most common needs that we've seen in the other counties and circuits that have, that have started this type of help desk are almost always family law issues, um, small claim court issues, uh, sometimes eviction cases or things revol involving around housing um, mm -hmm. issues. Those are really the leaders uh, in people that are there for uh, a civil matter. They've never um, been involved maybe in a legal process before. They've never had an attorney maybe in their life. And frankly, maybe they've been never been to the courthouse before. And that's not an uncommon occurrence. You know, right. somebody like you and me, Mary, um, we, we walk into the courthouse and we everybody knows who we are and vice versa. It can be very intimidating for a person who doesn't have an attorney, um, never has even maybe met an attorney, 
and is going blind into a building. They're seeing armed security personnel is the first thing they see, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, it can be intimidating, let alone the process and the unknowns. Well, I, I always say, unless you're there to adopt a baby or get married, there are very few happy reasons to walk through the front door of the courthouse. And yeah. I've finally learned the older I get when I see friends not to say, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Um, so is it appropriate clearly you can't help you can't fix somebody's problem in 30 minutes is it appropriate for you to refer them to a, a pro bono attorney or an attorney you think will take something on on a contingency basis or do you have to be careful about that part of yeah good question and some advice? of them some of them may be coming to that help desk without the knowledge of what other resources are available in the community. For, for example, Land of Lincoln is already here. It's been here forever. Mm -hmm. And they are our go-to source, at least in East Central Illinois. Really, the state of Illinois is broken up into three areas. Land of Lincoln is, is a third of that, I'd say. Prairie State Legal is another third. And then you have Cook County, which has a whole potpourri of other legal services, aid providers. So our area, Land of Lincoln. But just like you have to meet those requirements at our help desk, you have to meet those requirements for Land of Lincoln. And they can't help everyone. They're limited in staff and resources, and they may have a conflict with your case. So uh, that volunteer attorney helping you for that half hour or less, uh, if the conversation needs to continue, they're very likely to refer you to Land of Lincoln or other pro bono attorneys in town. That's not unusual. And we we are very fortunate to have a long history of Champaign County volunteer attorneys on all different levels, all different practice areas, uh, and all different levels of experience. It's a neat opportunity, and I've always said this to newer attorneys, to really cut your teeth on cases and, and learning um, with usually with, with a mentoring process, with a mentor of an experienced lawyer helping you along. Pro bono work is a great way to do that. I have... Uh a notion of some pro bono attorneys in my own head just from having been around the courthouse as long as I have but that's not something you all shout from the rooftops hey I'm here to take your case pro bono I had a friend come to me the other day said my son was in an accident he can't afford a lawyer but he needs to know you know what are steps a b c d and I said, well, I just happen to have someone coming in, so I can ask about that. But how does somebody find a pro bono attorney? Yeah. Unless they know somebody who will refer them to somebody. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's immediately far off from how you find a regular attorney, whether it's pro bono or not. Just because you're going to find legal assistance doesn't mean you're going to pay an arm and a leg, Okay. Uh, Good to know. There is many, many local attorneys who, from the onset, get people who either pick up the phone and call them, email them in this day and age, mm -hmm. uh, have referrals from family, friends, and say, look, this person just needs a little guidance, a little help. And actually, the Illinois Supreme Court rules have been, uh, have been modified to allow lawyers to have limited scope representation. In other words, they can represent you for a portion of the case or help you along for a portion, and that doesn't lock them in and to being your attorney for the rest of their life or to take it to an extreme, right? Got it. And so that, that rule change, that rule modification has really expanded opportunities for lawyers to do more work and even expand in areas where they may not always practice. Right. And not be trapped. Yeah. And not be trapped. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So what happens? So it's one and done. You get your 30 minutes and hopefully you will have steered them in the right direction after that. Is that the point? Yeah. And and the goal here really, I like to say it's a win-win-win situation. So it's a win for the attorneys. They're getting pro bono experience and the, the experience to help individuals, which is you ask any lawyer, why did you become a lawyer? They're going to tell you, I guarantee it, to help people solve their problems. And like you just said, it's usually reactive problem solving. Sometimes it's proactive, hopefully. But so the lawyers have a win there. Most importantly, the clients that we're helping have a win. They wouldn't have otherwise had that legal advice. Uh, Hopefully, uh, so they have the actual tangible advice. But just as importantly, they have the mental and physical comforts of, okay, now I understand things a little better. Mm -hmm. I'm not going in blind. I've talked to somebody. Um, And even if I'm representing myself going forward, which is okay, and, and things like small claims court are specifically designed to allow for that, um, you're going to be a little more comfortable and know what's going to happen. And then three, the third win is for the courts. The courts want this. Absolutely. There's a growing trend, and it's continuing, that the courts see self-represented litigants, as we refer to them, SRLs, uh, is is rising in numbers year after year. And there's nothing wrong with that, um, except they, it takes more time in the courtroom. And the, let me tell you, ask any judge, their <laughs> dockets are not shrinking. So they appreciate having those SRLs come into their courtroom with that guidance from the get-go. I know you said this has already been started in other circuits, the self-help desks. Have you heard feedback? I mean, are the is the judiciary pleased, as you might predict? Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they were, uh, from what I heard from our own Champaign County, they were happy to see this brought to Champaign County. Mm-hmm. But it has uh, slowly expanded, at least through the Pilly organization, which we can talk about. But that doesn't mean other courthouses themselves don't have their own help desk startups from their local bar associations and the like. Mm-hmm. But specifically this program, we've seen it used in Peoria and Tazewell County, so over in the 10th Circuit, which is uh, over in that area. Mm-hmm. And then we just launched in Macon County, which is also here in our circuit, the 6th Circuit, um, since Peoria and Tazewell has been around a little bit longer, the the feedback's been extremely positive. In fact, the demand has been so good that they've doubled the amount of attorney volunteers over there. So I'm very anxious and, and curious to see what happens in Champaign County. I'm guessing the demand will be great. And uh, we have a large continuing flux of pool of attorneys who hopefully can can step up and continue the practice here. Can you guesstimate how many attorneys are ready to go on board when you launch later this month? So we're going to have a open house uh, uh, on May um, 11th. Um, no, May 9th. I'm That's sorry. for the attorneys. May though, 9th right? for the attorneys and law students and legal staff. Oh, so law students like 7-Elevens who are... Any law students, any law frankly, student. because... Okay. And you say, well, wait a minute, Mark. You just said this is attorneys giving legal advice. There's also the intake process. So really it's twofold because if we can have someone be in charge of those intake questions and forms, which is a required part of the process, then the attorney can focus on, boom, immediately helping somebody. Good. So the law Good. students, paralegals, anyone uh, of a legal staff nature can can volunteer for that too. So we're going to have an open house on May 9th. 
um, start. We've already started filling out uh, online slots for volunteers, and that's already started to fill up, which is no surprise because, like I said, people step up around here. So a dozen, two dozen. Uh, well, we're I only, know you'd love to have dozens, yes. but something tells me you won't. <laughs> well, it, it it'll come in spurts, and I think uh, there's a lot of regulars. But what I'm hoping is it'll open the door for some people that maybe don't normally practice, for example, in family law, one of the high demand Mm -hmm. areas, Mm -hmm. somebody says, well, if I have a little guidance from a mentor who has experience in family law, I'm happy to do pro bono work in that area. So they can partner up and it's a win-win situation for them to help somebody. And even if they're answering simple, what I call simple family law questions involving, you know, I maybe have an uncontested divorce with no children involved. You know, can I just get this knocked out real quick? Well, they can answer those kinds of questions. So, and the help desk is only going to be twice a month in Champaign County. So it's going to be the first and third Tuesdays starting May 21st. And that'll be from 1130 to 130. So kind of over the lunch hour for a two hour block on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And then we'll have signups through uh, at least the first six months to, to give a test uh, test pilot run and see how it goes, and then probably reevaluate the need and demand and, and see how many other lawyers we can get to help. Well, I was going to say just having it that seldom also avoids lawyer burnout, I would think. Yeah. Uh, I would hope. Um, let's talk about PILI, the Public Interest Law Initiative, of which you are a member. What's its purpose? Just give us a little... Cocktail yeah. party spiel on what is Pilly? Well, Pilly is, there's, <laughs> once I've really dug deep into the amount of legal aid organizations across the state, it's pretty remarkable. And a lot of them are funded in various manners and ways, uh, but most of it is through donations. Pilly is a non-profit, mostly based in Chicago, uh, but it's part of the multi-pronged approach to improve access to justice. That's the very general mission statement, and they do it in all different manners. One of their initiatives involves outside Chicago, downstate uh, judicial circuit committees for pro bono. So that's what I sit on, and I'm the chair of it for our sixth judicial circuit. Okay. So if those aren't familiar with what is the sixth judicial circuit, that includes the larger metro areas of Champaign-Urbana, Decatur, Tuscola, Monticello, Clinton, um, Sullivan. Those are the bigger areas. And it's a six-county group. Allow me, Champagne DeWitt Douglas, Macon Moultrie and Pyatt. Yeah, I've only been writing it for thirty years. Exactly. So in that sixth circuit, we have a committee uh, of individuals from the courthouse, uh, judges, lawyers, uh, people from legal aid, uh, people from the University of Illinois College of Law, all sit on this committee, and we meet a few times a year to discuss ways to improve pro bono work. So this help desk is uh, one of those initiatives that sprouted out of that committee uh, to come right here in central Illinois, even though this organization is housed and based in Chicago. So it's wonderful to have them down here and helping us. Um, But this this committee, this sixth register committee, um, we've been around since only 2012. So it's not too old, but we've done a lot in that time period. A lot of it has been focused inward on, on getting lawyers and law firms mm-hmm. to be more proactive in giving free legal services or low-cost legal services. Um, so we held an annual education seminar uh, with the Bar Association. We get law firms to commit to a pro bono pledge Ooh. 
Um, and if they do that, they're committing that they're encouraging pro bono. They're designating a, a point of contact for pro bono work. Uh, they usually adopt a pro bono policy within their written organization policy. And then they, they have a recognition aspect, so they usually do something to award attorneys for their work and stuff. Uh, for example, just this month, because of Law Day, the Champaign County Bar Association, along with Landon Lincoln, will recognize the top lawyers in Champaign County who have given pro bono work. Nice. Which is always nice. We do that every year. And it's just, you know, frankly, we don't like to dole out awards, and the attorneys you know, are, are appreciative of it, of course. Um, but really, the the win they get for, is from helping people constantly, and they'll they'll say that every time they get up there on the mic. They're like, "Thank you very much," but I didn't I didn't do that for this. I did it because it's part of my job, and they consider it part of their job. Are pro bono hours required of lawyers by the Supreme Court, or any other rules out there? Great question, and we hear that a lot. Uh, well, what are you required to do? While lawyers do have required educational, continuing legal education requirements, there is not a requirement to do pro bono work. However, the Illinois Supreme or the Illinois uh, uh, Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission, if you hear ARDC as it referred to, they do collect the data on those hours, though. So every year, uh, attorneys must go online now and register every year mm -hmm. and pay the required fees and. Uh, report their required legal education requirements, and they also must report, one, how many hours they've done of pro bono work. There's no requirement. They can put zero and they won't get dinged. And two, if they've donated money to legal aid organizations and how much. And again, if they haven't, if that's zero dollars, that's okay. They're just collecting that data. So in fact, I actually sit here and I have breaking news <laughs> You know, <laughs> roll, the, roll the breaking news uh, ensemble. So the ARDC just released their 2018 report on this. And in 2018, Illinois lawyers, and we're talking about 95,000 Illinois lawyers in mm -hmm. Illinois, uh, performed over 2 million hours of pro bono work, just over 2 million, um, which is up from last, from 2017's 1.9 million hours wow which is pretty amazing and I, you know you do the math on what that equates to uh the value of those services is pretty impressive and as far as donations i mentioned they you must report donations so it's just over 18 million dollars in donations and that's only that, to that lawyers are giving to legal aid exactly specifically wow. from lawyers and specifically to legal aid organizations uh that, each that year. is awesome so that's pretty neat yeah. yeah. um so your work with Pilly and Pro Bono um, fits nicely with your full-time day job, which is day and night, I suppose. So talk a little bit about your work with the Illinois Supreme Court. You're no longer running into the courtroom here anymore doing... Not much. Once in a while, I, I, I am getting over there, and I, which I love. I, I'm the, Since my job changed about three and a half years ago, going on four... Uh, when I was in private practice for a decade, I was a, a litigator. I'd call myself a trial attorney, which means I'm in the courtroom the majority mm -hmm. of the time, um, which I love and I miss to a degree. But I still get over there doing pro bono work, Mary, which is right. awesome. Um, we we agreed in our office at the Supreme Court Commission on Professionalism that 
part of having my thumb on the pulse of the legal profession involves getting in the courtroom and getting in courthouses and working with lawyers and being involved. So I take pro bono cases mostly as a guardian ad litem for the court in, in cases of adoption, um, um, child uh, guardianships and disabled adult guardianships. I assume you want cases that aren't going to drag on for months and months and months, given your other duties. Well, I like a challenge. You never know. <laughs> and uh, when those cases come, I'm happy to help. And I, I and that's just part of the job. Some of them are, are very agreeable situations, and some of them are very contested. And that's, that's the beauty of our, our system. Right. No two days are usually ever alike. Yeah. So get back so, to talking about your yeah. job. So in my job, um, I work full time for a, a commission of the Supreme Court, which is called the Commission on Professionalism. Our trade name is the number two civility. Um, so we have a, a great modern website, I, I think, uh, org, where you can find out information. Um, I mentioned the ARDC, the Disciplinary Commission branch mm-hmm. of the court. I kind of like to say we're the proactive branch. So we are involved in educating uh, and inspiring lawyers, law students, and judges, and also doing public outreach, so education to the public uh, in various respects. The The majority of our work is focused on lawyers and judges in the profession on all different aspects, um, and I can give you some examples. For example, we run a mentoring program for new lawyers in Illinois. So we mentor them. They're paired on a one-on-one relationship for a year with an experienced attorney, uh, which means someone who has five years or more practice. And a mentee in that program is somebody with less than five years experience. And so they're paired for a one-year relationship where they're not only learning substantive law issues, they're learning uh, issues of professionalism and civility and ethics and issues of diversity inclusion, and even talking about topics of substance abuse and mental health and wellness, uh, which is extremely uh, vital and becoming more and more popular these days. I mean, for example, the the third leading cause of death among lawyers is suicide, and that's amazing after after heart failure and cancer. Um, and that that's a sad trend in this profession, and, and so we're talking more about that. We're working with organizations like uh, LAP, the Lawyers Assistance Program uh, in Illinois and nationwide to have those conversations, to be more proactive, um, have wellness conversations, um, teach classes about it, and, and start that not only with lawyers, but also in the law school setting before they become sure. lawyers. Yeah, good idea to give them an eye, yeah. just a hint of what the stress ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, another great program we're doing, uh, which I really hope to bring to Champaign County eventually, and I think I will, is a courthouse training program we we hold at various courthouses across the country or across the state. Excuse me. I think our most recent one was in Peoria, in fact, and so we we come into the courthouse um, uh, staff from the commission, our commissioners who are appointed by the Illinois Supreme Court justices and then some volunteers and we work we're going to work also hand in hand with the Illinois Commission on Access to Justice which is another commission that promotes um, all types of things Uh, and we're going to we train the employees of the courthouse so that's everybody the lawyers and judges but everybody that has contact with the patron of the courthouse so from the sheriff's deputies or security Mm -hmm. staff to the court reporters the clerks um, the translators, uh, and so on and so on. So we work with them in a cross-disciplinary training, 
and really get them to talk with each other because just like you mary you go to the courthouse all the time and it's commonplace for you and we get them to walk in the shoes of that courthouse patron who i mentioned at the top of the podcast who have never been there before sure and they forget about those situations um and yeah. the the feedback's been then just outstanding from those kinds of trainings. Great, I I know I've been known to remind people who work at the courthouse that they are public employees from time to time. <laughs> you know, I know it's been interesting to observe workloads and working environments. Uh, that's one of the more I, I hate to say fun parts of my job as a outsider looking in, but who's there all the time. It's just really interesting to yeah. see how people work together and. You know, who's most helpful, who isn't helpful. It's just interesting. Um, so where's your office when you're doing your Supreme Court civility work? <laughs> well, I, when I run into people and say that I now work for the Illinois Supreme Court Commission on Professionalism, the default go-to is, oh, you work in Springfield or you moved to Springfield. I say, no, I actually work and live still out of Champaign, which mm -hmm. is very fortunate and I love it. Um, but our main office is in Chicago in the Prudential Building. Uh, but I have an office hosted by the College of Law right on Pennsylvania Avenue next to the stadium, which is super convenient. And that's purposeful because I'm kind of the traveling salesperson for the office. So I'm one of three attorneys only in oh. our office and a staff of about four others, and which is an extremely small team when you consider – what I like to say, we have 95,000 clients, <laughs> registered attorneys in Illinois. So that's a lot of people we want to have a touch point with at some point to kind of raise those tide waters of professionalism and civility somehow, some way. Um, we do a survey about every seven years of all the lawyers in the state, thousands of lawyers, and it's very consistent that they say, yes, our profession's very civil, uh, it's very professional, but those same lawyers are also saying within the last six months, they 85% of them had some touch point of incivility in their in their work life, and the consequences of that uh, interaction is negative in various ways, not just uh, harmful oh, sure. to the profession, harmful to their job. It's it costs their clients more in the long run. It's oh. it's wasteful of time. And when they go home at the end of the day, it's adding stress to their life, and they're not enjoying their job. I, I just think that's part of our whole society of never an unspoken thought anymore. You know, yeah. mean tweets, easy to zip off an email that's critical. You know, yeah. when you had to sit down and put pen to paper, address an envelope, and pay for a stamp, it was a lot different. <laughs> yeah, and, and we that's really all there do. Is to we it. do really account for the technology changes too. In fact. Um, we're just hosting this month in May our, our annual Future is Now Law Conference in Chicago, which is another huge project that we do out of our office. So we bring in speakers from across the nation uh, to talk about what's next in the legal profession. And that mm -hmm. can not just be technology. That can be um, different processes. For example, we have uh, speakers talking about bail reform, which is a huge topic right oh, now. Yes. Um, cash bail reform or whether that should be changed. Um, we have speakers talking about the benefits of diversity in the profession, whether or not certain ethical rules should be changed. Um, but then we do have technology speakers as well talking about high-tech legal marketing and using things like Google Ads appropriately in the legal profession. How do those work hand-in-hand? Mm -hmm. hand? Because our profession is notoriously slow to change. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, uh, well, I, I, you are a wonderful face for this whole notion of civility. Now, I, I'll 
many people know this, but you're the son of the late, great Charlie Palmer, who um, personified civility in the courtroom. Is it tough working in the shadow of, uh, you know, somebody who really was uh, such a contributor to the legal profession? Yeah. Well, it's, or did it's, you just learn everything you know from your dad? <laughs> no, hardly, hardly at all. There was there was always a story to be told, <laughs> even though I did hear many of those stories and and many of the stories multiple times. <laughs> um, he was uh, an amazing dad, of course, but also an amazing litigator and lawyer. Um, and I certainly never take take for granted the legacy he left me in this community. And and a, a brief story is I as I go to work at the law school, the College of Law, I I. My office is on the first floor. I turn that hallway, and at the College of Law, if you've ever been there, they have a whole hallway of composite photos mm-hmm. from each class. And right there as I turn the corner from 1957 class, there's my dad, dead center in the, in the composite photo, uh, smiling. So I see him on my way to work each day, which is really cool, and it's a great reminder of uh, of all the amazing work he did for 50 three years, I believe, of practicing law. So wow. if I can achieve half that, I'll, I'll be proud of myself. Well, I I want to make sure our listeners realize you're no slouch. You've had, you've made all your uh, uh, mini inroads all on your own. A fun fact about Mark uh, that a lot of people might not know is uh, in the vein of I want to help people. He was formerly a police officer, right? Yeah, How right long at, did that last? Uh, <laughs> right out of uh, University of Illinois in 99-2000. Uh, I was with the Champaign Police Department, and then I realized uh, really law school was calling my name. Moved to Chicago and went to John Marshall up there for, and was up there for six years. But other than that, I've been a, a townie a here townie. in Champaign. And married, and you Russell twins. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, two four-year-olds that we uh, do our best to raise, and they're great, and and we'll see where they follow in our in our footsteps. And I, one last kudo. He was Central Illinois Business Magazine's Man of the Year, 2010, I believe, in the 40 under 40 group. Yeah, so. that seems like a lifetime ago, boy. Yes, it does. Well, you've got you've accomplished a lot. So, um, I know we could talk more about your work with the ISBA, which is which is uh, in addition to your the work that you get paid for, but. Um, I just want to thank you for being my guest and thank you for, you know, being such a good face for a profession that's easy to slam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mary, for having me. And I hope to come back and we'll talk about the success of the help desk and other successes uh, in delivery of justice in our area. Just one last reminder, when will the help desk launch in Champaign County so that the public can come through the front door and or how do they make an appointment or do they need an appointment? Oh, I didn't bring that up. It's a it's first come first serve basis. Okay. There's no appointment. Starts May 21st, and it's going to be the first and third Tuesdays of each month, from 11:30 a.m. to 1:30 p.m. Okay, Mark Palmer, thank you so much for being my guest today on Legally Speaking.